When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenEnroll.com. I am one of your hosts, Christian Rivas, here with Jacob Rood. And before we get going today, Jacob, I wanted to express my condolences to your Cincinnati Reds. For one, they lost. Uh, but two, you had to wake up really early to watch them lose. Like, not, it, it was an early game for me. It was a very early game for you. Um, that, yeah, <laughs> that was the first time in like, it'd been seven years since we got to the playoffs. And then, uh, they, the Reds decided to act like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the fourth quarter of a game <laughs> seven and just not score. And so that, that was a very quick trip. <laughs> How much of it was surprising to you that they, that they didn't advance? Cause I know a lot of Dodgers fans, we're hoping that they didn't draw the Reds in, in the first round. Um, I mean, it, it largely played out as I expected it to um, up until the very last inning. So twenty through 21 of the first 22 innings in the series, the Reds gave up one run. Um, it's just their offense has been – Boom or bust all season. Literally, they kind of lived and died by the homer. And when it's a three-game series, one kind of quick slump and it's all over. So it was annoying, Um, mainly because the pitching was so good. I know that's why Dodgers fans didn't want to uh, match up with the Reds. The pitching did what it was supposed to. Um, The offense just stayed in. Cincinnati for the week, I guess. (laughs) Well, Jacob, I'm glad to inform you that at least one of your teams, and I say at least because, you know, the city's still in the race. We'll see what plays out with them. But the Lakers are definitely uh, on path to a championship. They have not locked it up yet. But after Wednesday's performance, it's a little hard not to get excited with how commanding that victory was. And I, I don't, I'm not even talking about the, margin of the score obviously um i don't think the final score was reflective of how the game went for the heat uh but it was it for me it wasn't even the margin of the score it was how they beat them while watching that game i had the heat looked so small compared to the lakers like mike d'antoni and I, i brought this up on on the podcast uh I think when the, it became possible that the Heat were going to be the team the Lakers were going to play, Mike D'Antoni had made a comment about how the Heat only had one guy taller than the guys they play regularly on their team. And I thought it was an interesting point. I didn't completely buy it because while Bam Adebayo is like 6'9", he plays big. The problem is <laughs> the Lakers play bigger. They're bigger and they play bigger. And it it seemed like that was a big problem for the Heat on Wednesday night. One of the things I was kind of looking forward to in game one was to see how the Heat handled the Lakers' size. And they just didn't. 
Yeah. Um, I thought there was Dan Devine. I know that, uh, at least the person who runs the ringer has gotten a bad rap around Lakers Twitter of late, but Dan Devine for the ringer wrote an article after game one talking about Anthony Davis. And it was really interesting because the first paragraph was that all the ways you, me, every, everybody on the network, everybody talked about how they could possibly defend Anthony Davis. And then the next sentence after that was, Basically, it didn't matter because none of those worked, and they can't defend Anthony Davis. <laughs> um, that was my biggest takeaway. That was a demoralizing loss for the Heat. I've never – I'm I'm trying not to get too overconfident after one game, but I don't think I've ever seen that run the Lakers went on. I think it ended up being like 75 to 40. Um. I've never seen that in a finals game. Like, even those Nets teams, those Sixers teams that faced uh, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers put up more of a fight than what the Heat did last night. Like, that was such a physically dominant performance from Los Angeles last night. And and it's not like anything they did isn't sustainable. Yeah. Like, they shot above their regular season three-point average and even their postseason three-point average. And they attempted more three-pointers, but the guys they got three-point production out of weren't having, like, once-in-a-career performances from behind the three-point line. Danny Green was three from eight, which is about what you expect from Danny Green as he gets closer to the finals and gets his power from the finals like Superman gets his power from the sun. Um, LeBron James and Anthony Davis were both two... for four. Contavious Caldwell Pope was two for six. Uh, Markeith Morris, two for three. Like, I mean, the Lakers do this often. And I, I think the amount of looks they got was them partly saying, you know, Miami might be a decent, like an average, I'd even say, three-point shooting team, but they attempt more three-pointers we have to do the same. And luckily for them, uh, they fell, but it was also the type of looks they were getting against Miami's defense. And I know Miami has a reputation for being like a hard nosed defensive team because of Jimmy Butler and bam um, and guys like Iggy, but oof, I did not see any of that on, on Wednesday nights. It's and not that I expected like a standout defensive performance from Tyler hero, but boy, he was <laughs> abysmal. He, uh, it, it struck me how willing he was to repeatedly switch onto LeBron and then just <laughs> get destroyed by him. Um, to your point about the looks the Lakers got, I actually kind of looked this up this afternoon. Um, so from an average perspective, which... I don't know. You can take this however you want because the Lakers finished the game. They missed like 13 straight threes or something in the second half, and they shot really poorly after they got up by 32. I would argue that that was basically everything averaging out. Um, But regardless, it wasn't necessarily that they shot the ball well. They just got good looks. So of their 38 three-pointers they attempted – 33 of them were either open or wide open. Um, 
which is a little bit more. They you, they average during the regular season 29.3 open or wide open shots per threes per game. So it's a little bit more, but they shot almost exactly identical on those shots. So it wasn't necessarily, I mean, in the end, they didn't necessarily shoot the ball that much better. They actually shot it marginally worse um, on those shots. It was, as you said, they got so many good looks that you don't even have to be a good three-point shooting team, which largely speaking, the Lakers have not been. Um, if you can create the looks that they were able to create um, in game one, it's going to be really hard for any team um, to overcome, overcome that. And the Heat really weren't even close, even when they were that fourth quarter. I really don't put a, a lot of stock into it. Um, we've seen the Lakers all season. They just took their foot off the gas and whatever. It, it made it look like a semi-respectable score, and even then it was an 18-point win. But... Um, yeah, they, basically everything they did, I think is replicable moving forward for the Lakers. Yeah. And it's tough to look ahead to game two with the same excitement as game one and not because the Lakers are ahead in the series and it didn't look like, like, it doesn't look like it's going to be a series because the Lakers won so handily in game one. The Heat left game one pretty banged up. Uh, it's looking doubtful that Goran Dragic will be available for the series. It's looking doubtful that Bam Adebayo will be available for game two at all. Jimmy Butler rolled his ankle pretty hard in game one. He's going to play stunned through it. he came back out. That yeah. looked horrible. <laughs> He's going to inject coffee directly into his <laughs> veins and play through it. Um, but yeah, I mean... If you weren't confident about the series before, if for just the sake of the bodies that are on the floor and who the Lakers are going to face, I mean, it, it was hard to stop Anthony Davis before. If you don't have Bam on the floor and you're replacing him with Kelly Olenek and Myers Leonard, um, <laughs> I mean, Anthony Davis said it himself. It's a wrap. Yeah. Or, yeah. Him screaming it's over after that. Uh the one possession where he got multiple rebounds and finished over, I think, Jay Crowder. Little did we know he was basically talking about the whole series at that point. <laughs> um, when, when we come back from our break, I want to talk about um, Anthony Davis a little more because I think he's not just had a good series. I think he's, like, having a historically dominant performance. Uh, so when we get back, that'll be what we talk about. Jacob, I was told by Apple Care. <laughs> that the Lakers got fleeced by the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. I was also told by Apple Care that Anthony Davis was soft, and that was there was no way he was going to get us to this point. P.J. Tucker was going to lock him up in the second round. Um, and for a moment, for, for a teeny tiny moment in time, I believed it. I be, not not that Anthony Davis wasn't a great player. I just had my doubts about his ability to rise to the occasion. And again, very small doubts. He's I done it with flying colors. I never I, had he those is, doubts. He has ultimate punch through every expectation I had for him. And really, I, 
I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about him other than he's he's been one of the best players on the planet. Like Markeith Morris uh, <laughs> said that both LeBron James and Anthony Davis were the greatest players in the world. I don't know um, if he understands what the greatest means. That um, usually implies only one. But God damn, dude, Anthony Davis is making the case. I mean, obviously, LeBron James is real, real good. Like, still the best player in the world uh, for my money. But, I mean, if the playoffs ended yesterday in a one-game series, Anthony Davis would probably be taking home the finals MVP. Yeah, I said that after game one. Um, Somebody asked what the likelihood of Anthony Davis winning finals MVP was, and I think I put it at roughly 60-40 before game one. Um, Through one game, it's Anthony Davis. (laughs) And... Pete said this, uh, and I agree, after this season is done, whatever this outcome in this finals uh, is, there's going to have to be a lot of discussions about where Anthony Davis ranks among the best players in the game right now because the run he is on, I looked it up last night after game one. So in 16 playoff games now, He's averaging 29.1 points, 9.3 rebounds, 3.7 assists, shooting 56.7% from the field, 37.8% from three, and 82% from the line, all while anchoring what's probably been the best defense in the playoffs. That is – that's an all-time run right yeah. there. I, I, so I want to read off a few stats. Uh, this first one is from Basketball Reference, who tweeted last night, Anthony Davis had 18 points and was a plus 19 in the first half. Since 1997, the only other players to do that in the first half of an NBA Finals game are Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant. Pretty good company. Uh, Anthony Davis also became uh, the first person to score at least 25 points uh, in 24 of his 28 career playoff games. Um that was from September 27th. He's since passed that and passed Wilt Chamberlain to become the um, player with the most of those games all time, uh, which I think, I mean, you're talking like, I look at the regular season stats for Anthony Davis and the type of season he had. When you looked at those stats, it was the same players that you see in just like silly stats, like Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, Elgin Baylor and Oscar Robinson. Like mm-hmm. these are the these are the type this is the type of season Anthony Davis is having. Like <laughs> I don't I don't know if people are understanding that. I don't know if it's the bubble environment or just the eye roll of the Lakers traded for a superstar and back are back in the finals, which we've seen plenty of, which we'll talk about in a second. The fact that Anthony Davis is putting on like a historically great playoff performances for the Lakers. I think isn't being talked about enough. So I'd like to talk about it today, Jacob. He's doing it in so many ways. Like he's had to play in so many different kind of roles, um, at least offensively. His role's basically been the same defensively all playoffs, which is just destroyer. Um, <laughs> and there was a play, I know multiple people have mentioned it, 
if you've listened to as many podcasts as I have, as I have today, but there was a play where he was playing drop coverage on Dragic, and he basically had forced Dragic to choose between either like this little mid-range pull-up or like an alley-oop pass, and it looked like he was going to have enough room to get it off, and then Anthony Davis just jumped like off his back foot and just swatted it away with ease. And it looks so simple, but like when you slow it down and just process all of the like things that had to go through his mind before he made that play, like he's, he's playing the best basketball of his career. Yeah. Um, And then offensively, like I was saying, like the, the Houston series was such a different type of series um, especially when you compare it one round later, um, going up against P.J. Tucker and then going up against Nikola Jokic. Um, he's played so many different types of roles and has been so damn good at all of them. He's shooting 80% at the rim. He's shooting 50% from mid-range on 147 attempts, yeah. which is absurd. And then, as I said, he's shooting uh, 38% from three, like – this is crazy efficiency and he keeps saying, or he kept saying, I mean, he's living up to it. He said multiple times, like, this is what, these are the games he's wanted to play in. Um, and he wanted to be in these moments and he like, he's getting better. Like as the playoffs go Yeah, and he's lived up to all the hype, all the, anything he said, like, this has been otherworldly, um, an otherworldly playoff run from him. And I think the, I think Anthony Davis has played a big part in how easy this playoff run has looked for the Lakers. You can argue all day back and forth that their playoff run was easy. I recall when the Portland Trailblazers clinched that eighth seed that people were talking about the Lakers kind of getting the short end of the stick as the one seed, as opposed to the two seed, because they had to play the trailblazers rockets and likely the Clippers. One of those teams they did not see. I won't get into who, because I'm in a good mood. Um, But I I think part of the reason it's looked so easy is because Anthony Davis has been so dominant on both ends of the floor. Like Anthony Davis just hasn't hasn't just had to guard like the other team's best big man in that first round, he spent possessions guarding Damian Lillard and did so with some success. He got switched on to Jamal Murray in the Western conference finals had to fend off the, (laughs) whatever Russell Westbrook was doing in the Western conference semifinals. (laughs) Uh, I mean, not that Westbrook was phenomenal by any means, but the amount of switching he's had to do, and paint protection and he he's just as, as important of a player as LeBron James is to everything they do all the things that the Lakers have been doing would not be possible with any other player but Anthony Davis maybe Giannis Antetokounmpo because of his defensive versatility um and that's as much as I'll say because I don't want to get too hot takey but there is a the, the you just the the defensive scheme the Lakers have and the way they're playing offensively, Anthony Davis is the guy to do it with, and he's he's oh, yeah. shined in that role. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of seen a lot of discussion. The Lakers have been able to play with this size um, all season long, and particularly in the playoffs because of Anthony Davis. Like he's a cheat code. Um, he is essentially a wing in a center's body. Um, he has all the skills of a wing player. He he's been incredible. If you just look at the players he's guarded uh, in the playoffs the most, it's Millsap, Russell Westbrook, PJ Tucker, Jeremy Grant, Harden. Um, it's such a wide variance of players, and he's been able to have success against every one of them. Um, and that's just on the defensive end of the court. Like he's been an absolute nightmare offensively. Um, again, the Lakers are able to play with size offensively because of Anthony Davis. Like he's, he's improved his three point shooting quite a bit this season. Um, he was only a 34% three point shooter last year. Um, which it's, it's only a 4% jump, but um, it's been pretty noticeable, I thought. Um, that's, a, that's a jump from below league average to above league average. Um, just everything about how the Lakers have constructed this team and why they're successful comes down to the fact that Anthony Davis is an otherworldly player, basically. And they're... Man, there's going to be it's going to be really interesting if he continues playing like he is now. Like if you just extrapolate how LeBron and AD have been playing through the next 3 4 however many 5 games that this series goes, it's going to be a really interesting conversation about who should be finals MVP. Yeah. I think the thing that really frustrates me about the conversation around Anthony Davis right now, at least outside of the Lakers community, is I've seen a lot of people say all Anthony Davis needed to do was team up with the best player in the world to play as well as he has been. And it's like, what are we talking about? At the beginning of the season and as the season going on, wasn't everybody talking about how Kawhi Leonard was the best player in the world? Did the Clippers not just do the same thing the Lakers did by signing an otherworldly talent in Kawhi Leonard and pairing him with somebody who had been a number two option. I mean, it, with the Pacers, he was the number one option, but, you know, had had been slotted as a number two guy with that team, had been compared to Anthony Davis in that regard. Like, if it was so easy, why aren't they here? Why weren't they even in the last round? Anthony Davis is in the finals because the Lakers were able to play the game they wanted to play because of his greatness, because nobody could stop him in the role the Lakers put him in. If you want to simplify it to end, sorry. Go on. <laughs> I am 100% in agreement with you. Go if, on. If it was as simple as playing Anthony Davis with LeBron James, then why weren't the Lakers the favorite to start the season? Mm -hmm. LeBron James and Anthony Davis have been on the Lakers since the start of the season. Like, what the hell are we talking about? There's so much, like, cognitive dissonance going on right now where it's like all the, all the points you just said. I mean, AD's, AD and LeBron have played so well in these playoffs that 
they've made this look a lot easier than it has been. And they've neutered some really impressive offenses. Um, probably nobody was playing hotter than the Trailblazers and the Lakers just suffocated them, albeit Dame was injured by the end of it. The Rockets were supposed to be this uh, kind of opposite or uh, right. specifically built to uh, to take down this Lakers team, and the Lakers completely neutered them. And then you had probably the best two-man game in basketball, um, and the Lakers neutered them as well and just completely shut them down. And Anthony Davis has been at the center of all of that. And now you have a Miami team that has this heat culture that um, has cruised through the Eastern Conference with nearly as much ease as the Lakers did. And they are absolutely and thoroughly destroyed Again, unlike I've really ever seen in a finals game, that may not be indicative of how it is moving forward. I mean, I'm sure Lakers fans can attest to how different game one can be versus the rest of the series just in these playoffs, but they were destroyed in a way that is I haven't seen. And again, Anthony Davis is at the center of it. Like his importance to this team cannot be overstated and the level at which he's played in these playoffs cannot be overstated. And to be to be clear, the Heat were get getting thoroughly ran by the Lakers before their injuries started flaring up. I think yeah. by the time their players exited the game, the Lakers might have been up 18 or 20. Um, they just outplayed them. I expect them to put, outplay them for the rest of the series. Uh, that was true before the injuries. I had said it was going to go to seven. My thoughts have changed since. Uh, I will not update my prediction, <laughs> but uh, I will say by the next time we talk, I expect us to be having a very different conversation. Jacob, do you have any parting thoughts? Because again, uh, if I'm doing the math correctly, the next time we talk could be um, celebrating. I, I will say the series will be over Nick, by the next time we talk. I will go on the limb that you're not, <laughs> you're afraid to go out on. I predicted Lakers in five. After watching last night, I think it'll be a sweep. Like the, the issues the Heat have are not schematic issues. They're personnel issues. This team got through the Eastern Conference with small ball and the Lakers can do that better and they can do like big bruising Ball, I guess, whatever you want to call it, uh, old school, they can do that better. This is, this will be done by the next time you and I talk. Um, this is going to be, a, just sit back and enjoy these next three games or four games, however it's going to be, because this is going to be a lot of fun. Well, that if that's not a glowing endorsement of the Lakers, I don't know what is. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me and uh, joining me. I should say I, I was was going to say enjoying me, but I mean, I, hey, is... I enjoyed the rant. So yeah, <laughs> it both work. Uh, and, and you'll hear from us next week.